Hey, and welcome back to Business and Breakthrough. This is your host, Kristen. And on today's episode, we are going to break away from tactics. We're going to break away from all things business, and we're going to jump into how do we be spiritually healthy? How do we really reconnect with ourselves in our faith, in our community? I am so excited today. We are having Pastor Stephanie Lape on today. We are going to talk about if we're feeling disconnected from our faith or we're feeling anxiety with where our life is at, where the world's at right now. She's going to share with us some just great practices and she's going to share with us an understanding of faith, hope, and love that I think will really encourage you. We're going to talk about not just do we believe in God, but do we trust in him in our lives? And she's going to tell us about how we should have hope in him. It's a solid expectation that he will not fail us. And that's so promising, but I think you're going to get a lot out of today's episode. So I cannot wait to dig in. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome back Stephanie Lee. She is the pastor of Crossing Crown Lutheran Church in Rancho Cucamonga, California. She's also the author of the book Beckoned, and she's a writer and speaks and teaches on matters of spiritual and psychological development, biblical studies, and more. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much, Kristen. Great to be here. Oh, I just, uh, I was so excited that you were going to join me again on the podcast because as we've talked in between the t- almost a year of recording, the world is still just, it's just kind of in disarray, right? There's just a lot going on. There's a lot of heaviness. And so I was so excited you were going to join me again so we could have a conversation around how do we step into our day? How do we step into our lives? How do we use our faith to really feel a little more grounded? And so before we jump into that conversation, do you want to just share a little bit about, um, you know, what's going on with you and your life and kind of your church at this point? Sure. Thank you. Yes. Um, well, we were on lockdown like many of us were for a long time, but we are now meeting in person back at my church. We've been meeting for about a year in person. First, it was outside, but where I serve Ranch Cucamonga is a wind tunnel. So everything was blowing over on a regular basis. So we went back inside, we wore masks, we kept our distance. And uh, just fairly recently, California has lifted the mask mandate. And so now people wear masks if they feel safe for doing that. They don't if they don't want to. Uh, most of our congregation has had several of the, the vaccine and the booster and all of that. So the congregation has been incredibly patient through this whole time, very supportive of me as their pastor. There's a great leadership team there. There's been some turnover in some people going to other churches, but then we also uh, have welcomed some new people. We've had a couple of baptisms uh, on Easter, and then we have a couple more baptisms this coming Sunday. We're welcoming three new families this coming Sunday. So there's a lot of change, a lot of excitement. One thing that we found at the churches around the country is that we're not going back to before the pandemic. Things that we learned during the pandemic, like video editing and uploading and those kinds of things, that continues moving forward. So then we have the question of who's going to be doing all of this work? Is it, you know, the staff, the volunteers, just sort of rearranging all of that. But but we've learned a ton so we're grateful. Now we reach people in other parts of the city, the state, the world. Uh, I've heard personally, we have a little church, but I've heard that we've had people watching our YouTube channel from India and France. So, you know, church is clearly without walls at this point. So there's just a mm-hmm. lot of changes, most of which are very, very positive and exciting going forward. Mm, that's so good. And yeah, I think that actually kind of hits a point, which is all of us had to learn to live a little different. And uh, most of us have decided, I don't want to go back fully to how it was if you either were hustling or too busy, or you were having to pivot a little bit with our, either our churches or our businesses and learn new skills and then realize how we can connect online, which is actually a gift, right? Because to your point, we can reach more people. Our messages can get in front of more people. So I think that's that's really cool that you brought that up because I think everyone's going through that, whether you're a a church or a nonprofit or a business, you know, I think that's so good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, okay, so let's dive in now that you told us a little bit about your update in the last year. Tell us how things are going, you know, what advice or just um, guidance do you have for people the state of affairs in the world, you know, it, it can be hard to feel, to not feel anxious, to not feel overwhelmed. So what would you share with us as far as how can we just feel a little more grounded in our lives? 
Yeah. It's the ever-present question from the time of Jesus and before, you know, through the time of Martin Luther, you know, our great reformers who started the Protestant Reformation to, to now. I mean, there have always been wars and the Bible talks about it. You know, there, there's wars and rumors of wars. So even if we're not in the middle of one, we hear of them. You know, we mm-hmm. hear of, upri- you know, conflict and, and uprisings and, and unrest and sickness. Charles Dickens says in one of his books, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And it always is. Yeah. It always is. So to think that this is something unique on the one hand is not to know history because there's always something going on. Right. But like you said, there are anxious things going on. And because of social media and the news and the ability we have to hear about what's going on in the world, it can sometimes feel like it's worse than it's ever been. I don't think mm-hmm. it really is, yeah. but we can hear about what's going on on the other side of the world, almost as if it's happening in our backyard and that creates anxiety. So I think one of the things we can do is just to know that of course it can cause anxiety when we're inundated with these things and to have compassion on ourselves when we're feeling anxious or when we're feeling angry or when we're feeling sad or grieving, all of those human emotions are natural. They're part of our makeup. Um, And so if we see a little child learning how to walk and they fall down and scrape their knee, or we see a kid fall off a bike and they start crying, we wouldn't tell them, how dare you have those feelings? You know, we would have compassion on them. We would hold them and comfort them. And so we can do that to our own selves as well. If we're feeling anxiety, if we're feeling confused or any of those difficult negative emotions, we can have compassion for ourselves. So I think that's the first step because if we don't have that compassion, those difficult emotions will only grow. If we push something down that's just there, it will remain and get larger until we acknowledge it. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing we can do. Um, another thing that has proven very helpful and what all of the great religious masters talk about from Jesus to the Buddha, to Muhammad, Confucius, Lao Tzu, all the great masters, they have all advised us to disconnect with our rational mind. And, and we would, we would think at first that that's really bad advice because we use our rational mind and we should, our rational mind has created the vaccinations that are saving lives. and our rational mind has put people into space and it keeps us safe much of the time. And so it's not like we want to be irrational because we have this incredible tool of our rational mind. But if we are, if we're over using our rational mind, if we are dependent on that mind, if we don't know how to turn it off, that same tool that can be so effective and helpful can be the death of us. If we use a hammer or a chainsaw and we do all these wonderful things with those tools, and yet we don't know how to put it down, that chainsaw throughout our lives could cause havoc if we take it everywhere we go. And it's like that with our rational mind. So our mind is a tool, but if we over-identify with it, then it can cause lots of problems. And so one example of this is, say, if we're reading in the news about Putin walking into Ukraine, which, of course, we would say if we're people of conscience... He shouldn't have done that. That's a terrible thing, causing all this death and and terror. But if we're focused on that 24-7, thinking about that, grieving with that, not being able to put that down, that's an over-identification with the mind, which Mm -hmm. then will give us no peace. So we could hypothetically spend the entire time we've been given as a gift on the planet obsessing about COVID, war, problems, stress, grief, Mm -hmm. and not putting it down. And that's like not putting down the chainsaw. So we have examples from all of the spiritual masters on ways, techniques, spiritual technologies, if you will, ways to put down the rational mind so that we don't over-identify with it. So that if we're feeling anxiety or if we're feeling grief or if we're feeling sadness or struggle or confusion or doubt or any of those difficult emotions, we can tell ourselves, I'm feeling this, but we don't have to say, I am this. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, saying like, pain is awakened in me right now. I feel the feelings of shock, sadness, fear, anger, grief, but it's not that I am 
sadness, fear, anger, grief. I am something else. I am a spirit. I am a soul. I am pure presence. I mean, even God said, I am that I am. This is pure presence. I am not my circumstances, and I'm also not my emotions. Mm -hmm. So if we can, as all the spiritual masters told us to do, if we can drive a wedge between who we are and what's going on, even our own emotions and thoughts, Mm -hmm. then we can disidentify with everything we're caught up with and identify with something deeper underneath it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. So I think, you know, one of the things you're sort of alluding to is besides trying to disconnect from the all those thoughts, right? Like the, the feelings, the thoughts, it's to step away from that, you know, to acknowledge it and then, okay, yes. let me be present in my day. Let me, you know, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about like, how do we stay well? Like, how do we actually do what you just said? But I think also it's that many of us are being bombarded. All of us are being bombarded by too many messages all day long, but we can be stewards of our day and of our time and of our minds by trying to limit how much we're pulling in, right. Of social media or news or those conversations. So is there anything you'd add to that um, aspect of this? Yes. A hundred percent. We were not given the body and mind 2.0 upgrade or whatever. We are the same makeup spiritually and physically, emotionally, relationally that we were millions of years ago. Mm -hmm. And so bits of information are flying at us at a much faster rate than any time in human history. And yet we don't have the upgrade in order to receive all those bits of information and digest them all. It's too much. And so there are things we can and I think should do. And before I get to some of the things that I think would be helpful, sometimes people say to me as a pastor, I'm feeling very disconnected from faith these days. I don't feel really plugged in or or sometimes I even mean emotionally. I'm not feeling very happy. I'm not feeling very settled. And in the Lutheran theology, and I know that Christian theologies differ in this. So this is not across the board for every Christian. In the Lutheran theology, what we emphasize is that we have salvation through grace alone. It was a gift from the cross. There's nothing we have to do. We don't have to give a certain amount of money to the church. We don't have to be a member of a church. We don't have to go forward at an altar call. We don't even have to say like, I am accepting Jesus into my life. Because if we do that, that makes us at least in part our own savior. And we're not. Jesus from the cross gives us 100% salvation. So because we emphasize that so much in our Lutheran theology, there's nothing you have to say, do, believe, whatever, you are given this gift. Then what we often do as thinking people is we then go to the extreme of, okay, there's nothing I can do because there's nothing I have to do, then my whole spiritual life is a gift. And I'm just going to kind of sit back and passively let it happen to me. And I want to say as a, as a theologian, no, no, no. What we're meaning is for salvation, for ultimate healing, for worthiness, for good enoughness, for love, there's nothing you have to do. But in terms of happiness, being plugged into your life, feeling good, feeling well, finding your own sense of peace, connecting with God, there's a ton of things you could do. And in fact, probably should do because Mm -hmm. it's not just going to like come all over you. We get spiritual amnesia all the time. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, let's look at some of these spiritual techniques and tools that have been given to us over the last few thousand years that are very helpful. So Mm -hmm. hopefully that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it does. And, you know, uh, and I I would, I want to hear more about that in a second, but it kind of reminds me of the, if you're feeling, you know, lonely or you're in need of something, when we go and help serve others in that way, yes, we feel better from it. Yes. And not because we're trying to be like, oh, I'll feel better. It's because it's this act of service, yes. but we're taking action, right? right. So right. I think that's so important is we can't just sit on the sofa and watch Netflix the entire yeah. day, every day, and then think yeah. we'll feel good. There has right. to be, there has to be connection and action. Yes, yeah. yes. Right. So if people say to me, well, pastor, I haven't done X, Y, Z. Am I still loved, good enough, worthy? Of course, that's the there's nothing you have to do part. Yeah. Yes. 
but it's not going to feel good. The action will help you. There are things you can do. And it's kind of like lifting weights at a gym. And if somebody says, you know, I, I'm feeling out of touch with my healthiest self. And I'm like, well, because, you know, there's <laughs> you're not ever exercising or moving or eating well or whatever. So the same is true for spirituality. There are muscles we can use. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So to get into some of these, and we've heard these a million times, but it's mm-hmm. just, frankly, do we do them? Because if we think about them, the knowledge of them is not going to help us. It's the doing of them. I mean, I can hear all day long that it would be helpful for me to go take a walk or to eat more vegetables or drink more water or sleep eight hours. But if I'm not doing them, it's not going to be effective. Right. So the doing of these things, um, and, and I do these things every day because I can't be not only the best Christian, I think I'm called to be, but I certainly cannot be in ministry without them. I see too much. I see people's pain. I go to hospitals and ICUs and I bury people who have died and all the things. Mm -hmm. And so I do these things myself. Um, I set myself up to disconnect from my rational mind some throughout the day in the beginning of the day. And I flood myself with a knowledge that there's more to me than my rational mind. I flood myself with the knowledge that love is real, that God is real, that there are things that we cannot see, but we can feel with our intuition. And so when I do these things that give myself the greater message of spiritual reality, then I can go into the world armored with this knowledge. Um, I would be a basket case if all I was doing was hearing about Ukraine or COVID. I can't. Mm -hmm. We're only human. Of course, we would be a mess if we were like flooding ourselves with this, either from the news or social media, where Mm -hmm. all the comparisons come up, where everybody's lives look perfect. You know, we're only human and we cannot think that we can give ourselves all that and function well. Mm -hmm. Also, for me, I cannot live in a messy house and function well. I've become Mm -hmm. more, as I grow older, more of a minimalist because I want my space to be a sanctuary and I don't need stuff as much as I need peace. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's, those are some things I do. I also, for me, and this is just a, for me, I'm a vegetarian. I'm almost vegan because I feel like I don't want to be ingesting pain and fear from animals who are about to be killed. So I did not get into that lifestyle for that. I got into that for some health reasons, which helped, but I felt a load lift off of me when I cut back from eating animal products. So I live in a way to try to increase however I can, my sense of peace, my sense of calm and and not having all this stuff come at me because I can't, I can't deal. I'm too much of an empath. Many of us mm-hmm. are, and yeah. I don't want to be picking up other people's stuff if I need more fortification for my own soul. So, so for me, and these are some, some of the things that I encourage, but I encourage everybody to do these things, listening to their own soul, because what works for me might not work for you, vice versa. It's all mm-hmm. very personal. Um, so that's why I say even things like the vegetarianism, I'm not like an evangelist with that. I'm like, Hey, if that's a thing for you. You know, everybody has to decide but for me. I pray every day. I meditate every day. Meditate's just, that's what I do. The first thing in the morning, I meditate. I just quiet my mind and I listen to the sound of the fan going in my bathroom. I, there's like a light that has a fan on it. Mm-hmm. And so I close my eyes and just listen to it for 20 minutes. I have no thoughts happening for the most part, because when I wake up, I just, I'm too tired to have thoughts. Mm-hmm. And if thoughts come into my mind, I actively push them away and say, I'll deal with them later because I want my beginning part of the day, not to be thinking about things and identifying with my rational mind. I want the beginning part to just be open and listening. After about 20 minutes, I read a section of the Bible. Generally, it's one psalm, but I read it through many times and try to find one phrase that stands out to me for that day. Sometimes I do journaling. I like to do morning pages, mm-hmm. um, which is three pages of just longhand journaling about whatever, just kind of getting issues out. I use emotional freedom technique, which is tapping, known as tapping, the EFT, mm-hmm. um, where you tap on meridian you know, points to as you're thinking about a a topic that might be stressful or bothering you. And if people hearing this don't know anything about that, they can Google that or YouTube that. Um, It's a really, really helpful technique. Um, I generally walk every day for about an hour while I listen to some kind of a positive podcast or YouTube channel or music or something that can put me in a good state. And I'm walking in nature. So I'm taking in the beauty of that. So all of this Mm -hmm. takes several hours. 
Right. And some people might say, I do not have several hours to give myself for that. Right. And I would say, then don't give yourself 20 minutes. Right. You know, don't look at the several hours you can't do. Look at the 20 minutes you can do. Um, part of the reason I do this for several hours and, and consider it necessary is because um, some of it does move into my work because I think a lot about the sermons I'm going to be preaching while I'm walking. Um, I'm learning information about things I might be teaching. So it directly relates to my work, but I could see how some people might say, you know, I'm not in any kind of line of work that has anything to do with this. So you do you, you know, this is just one narrative or one example of what I, yeah. I would do. But let's say that there's a day where, you know, I'm just super rushed and super busy and I can't devote that time, then I wouldn't. Maybe I would only have 30 minutes in my car ride to work, but in my car ride, I make that count. Mm -hmm. So for the 30 minutes, I am not going to listen to the news. I'm going to listen to something very positive, flooding, flooding my spirit and soul with something that's not something negative so that we can then dilute you know, all the other stuff that we're hearing about. So Mm -hmm. this way of life is critically important. I mean, I literally can't imagine living without it. And then I do things throughout the day, pray, go back to God. I might do more of the tapping, more journaling, really whatever it takes. And I found that it it has transformed my life in ways I can't, I can't even quantify. Mm. Yeah, I think it's so true. And I think if, when we're stuck, right, it could be in a season, it could be our whole lives up till now. Yeah. But if you're not finding ways, like you said, it's really to calm your mind yes. to um, be in communion with God. You know, if, if that's, you know, your, um, you know, obviously we're both aligned with as Christian Christians, but whatever it is, but it's to, it's to kind of reset, to regroup, to calm ourselves. Yes. Right. And like you said, yes. let go of the worry of the day or the week or the month or the year, let go of it for now, at least. And so we can step back into our day as our, you know, showing up the way we truly know we were meant to show up. Yes. You know, and um, yeah, for me, I stopped watching television news years ago. You know, I might jump on to a couple independent media sites during the day just to read the headlines. I might read an article, you know, and some days I have to take a break from that, you know, and say, you know what, I've gotten too absorbed just even in the headlines. So maybe I need to take a break. Social media is the same way. You know, I do go on there for some business things and then I will, you know, I'll see what's going on with people, but I, I try to limit that, you know? Yeah. And so all of these things is I think sometimes we we're reactive to our lives instead of proactively designing our day so that we can have these either moments, minutes or hours yeah. so that we can be our healthiest selves, right? Mind, body, and spirit. Yes. The great mythologist, Joseph Campbell, who was the consultant for George Lucas as George Lucas was designing his Star Wars movies Mm -hmm. way back in the 70s. Joseph Campbell said, the world is full of people not listening to themselves. And and so he helped George Lucas design this great modern day mythology where Darth Vader represents the intellectual mind that can disconnect from the spirit or soul. And Luke Skywalker represented the pure spirit and soul who Darth Vader was constantly saying to Luke, you know, come on over to the dark side. And Mm -hmm. Luke resisted. No, I'm not going to go over there. And so Joseph Campbell spoke about how that's like parts of us where our rational mind wants to run off, run the show, but there's a bigger part of us. It's our spirit, our soul, our body, and Mm -hmm. we can resist running off that way and, and instead listen to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So when you listen to yourself, Um, And when you find the things that your spirit tells you are good for yourself, whether it's gardening, whether it's baking, whether it's walking like I do, whether it's playing with your pet, um, you can hear if you listen to your spirit, if that's good for you or not. Mm -hmm. And so my spirit tells me sometimes when I'm on social media, this is good for me. It's a platform for me to add some positivity to people's lives, some love, some affirmation. Other times my spirit tells me, this isn't good for you right now. Mm-hmm. You need to back off either because I'm reading too much negativity or because I'm feeling anxious about something online or because I want to get into that, you know, that polarized fighting you could do so easily on, on yeah. social media. Something about it can feel like this isn't good for you. Back off. And, and I can choose to listen to myself, my spirit, which I believe is in touch with God. I can choose to listen to that guidance and follow it. 
or say, no, no, I'm going to keep going down this road that's not good for me and suffer the consequences because God's not going to insist or my spirit's not going to insist that I follow it. It's just going to give me the wisdom and I can follow it or not. Absolutely. And I think the more we listen to that, right, our voice, the more we, but one, the more we're quiet, we can hear it. But the more we listen to it, right, or choose to listen to it, the more it gets easier, right, to make these choices when we realize, you know, am I in a situation or reading something that's making me really overly upset or it's not ruining my day, but right, it's kind of putting me in this frame mind mindset that's not great. Do I want to keep doing that? And so I think that's a really good point is we get to keep showing up and choosing these things. Right. But if we would, if we would listen more to ourselves, you know, our deepest whispers, you know, we, we would probably make better choices in our day. Yes. Yes. And when we tune in by slowing down our mind, sometimes slowing down our body, when we tune into that voice, we, we recognize it more easily as we go about our days and weeks and months and years. We, we go, Oh yeah, that's that voice. I know that voice. And and I trust that voice. And Jesus says in, in scripture, you know, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. And when you're, when you're kind of, you know, maybe new with this, you don't feel like, you know, that voice, or you've been ignoring that voice for so long, telling that voice to be quiet, or it's not helpful, or it's not going to help you with the bottom line of whatever you want to do with your life. But the more you lean into that voice, the more you you know it, can hear it, and really trust it and, and go, oh, yeah, okay, so my purpose in life is not for me to analyze and figure out my life. My purpose is not for me to create goals or plans or be more productive or whatever, because my intelligence is relatively small compared to the intelligence of the universe. So, so instead of me saying, okay, Stephanie, what do I want to set for my goals or my new year's resolutions or my whatever to instead say, okay, I'm going to quiet down my mind, my body, and I'm going to tune in, ask to hear the voice, listen to the voice, pay attention to the voice and hear a bigger wisdom than just my own little Stephanie wisdom after 52 years on the planet. Yeah. I, I get to hear the God of the universe who hung the stars. Like, which mm-hmm. do I want to hear? This is the power of the 12 step groups that we see like Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12 mm-hmm. step groups. That one of the first things that the folks do there is basically say, I'm powerless. Cause if I could have figured this out, I would have done it a long time ago. And mm-hmm. so instead I'm going to tap into a higher power as I understand the higher power. And none of us are going to completely understand this higher power. That's beyond our comprehension. Mm-hmm. But but we do understand part of this higher power and we have the revealed love if we would, but listen. Mm-hmm. And then we go, wow, God isn't just the God of like rule setting. God is a God of actual guidance in my day to day life. God is a God of love. God is a God who's there for me that I can actually trust. Huh? Interesting. <laughs> but a whole I, world. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I, of course, we, most of us, I hope have heard God is a God of love and that sort of thing. Although I know you're, (laughs) no, I know, I know, I know your past story and I know what (laughs) you speak on often is that, you know, some religions or facets, right. Of religion can be toxic. But what I loved about what you said is God is a God of guidance. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that is so good. I mean, maybe I've heard that before, but I just, it hit me today, you know, in such a profound way. I, I love that. I think that's, oh, if we could all just think of that a little bit more, you know, as we go into our day yes. and our, our yes. year. Yes, because I mean, imagine going to, like, let's say I said, I am going to, um, I don't know, sleep on Sunday morning. I'm going to get a really good night's sleep or a really good morning sleep on Sunday morning. And, and I'm going to feel so refreshed, but then I'm not going to sleep Monday through Saturday. I'd be like, you know, you can sleep more than that. Or if I'm only going to eat on Sunday morning, <laughs> this God is not just available to give us peace and joy and alignment when we go to church on Sunday morning, right. because you are input, not you, the proverbial you, anybody, Yeah, we are impoverishing ourselves. If we only take advantage of that guidance, that love, that truth, that wisdom, that joy once a week, it's not enough. Why would we do that to ourselves? I mean, I'm glad 
that we have once a week. Don't get me wrong. We're communal. We lift each other up. We encourage each other. But but why would we do that when we have that kind of connection to our own spirit and the spirit of the universe 24-7? Yeah. Mm, absolutely. What a, what a choice, right? Like give it to me now and always and all the time, please. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I'm selfish that way. Like I just want more. Yeah. I love that. And I think it is. I, we just need to set priorities. And I think a lot of people, you know, my friend groups, you know, just going through different things in their lives and some of them very stressful, hard things, right? It could be yeah. diseases, diagnosis, and lots of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, struggling yes. with maybe a teen they often don't realize that they're choosing how their day goes about, right? Like mm-hmm. overbooked or whatever it is. And, but it's like, gosh, if you, and they're, most of them are very faith oriented people, but they get stuck in the busy. And, you know, I do, I just want to say, Hey, you know, there is another way, right? There we really is. can continue to have this connection throughout the day. We can make, even if it's only moments. Yes. Yes. And available. part of that, and I get the busy, I really uh-huh. do. I'm the mom of two kids and I have, husband and dogs and a mortgage and all the things housework. (laughs) I get the busy. Um, Some of what I believe we must do is say, no, no, I cannot help at my child's classroom. No, I cannot drive carpool, whatever. I mean, I'm just giving a couple examples. Absolutely. No, I'm not going to be on what's it called HOA board or whatever. Like, no, I'm not going to do these things because to say no means you get to say yes to other things. And, and it's so cliche when we say put ourselves first, but if we don't do it, if we don't put ourselves first, if we don't love ourselves actively, I don't mean love ourselves just by saying nice things, which most of us don't do that much of the time, mm-hmm. but I don't just mean the affection, but I mean, like when you have a child, you love the child by feeding them. You love mm-hmm. the child by taking them to school. You love the child by doing stuff. And yet we often don't do stuff for ourselves because we think, Mm -hmm. oh, that's selfish and I'm here for everybody else. And we get martyr syndrome and then we run ourselves into the ground. And so when, when people, you know, might, might say to me, and I don't really care about judgment from people. I hear God's my God, nobody else. But, but if somebody says to me, you know, you're, you're putting too much time into your own prayer, meditation, well-being, you know, self-care, I'm not going to live any other way at this point. Because mm-hmm. I'm not my best self. I cannot be there for other people in a in yeah. a powerful, strong way if I didn't take care of myself first. I just can't. Yep. So 100%. why would uh and then and then the other thing that happens often is if we don't take care of ourselves, then we love everybody else and then we expect others to care for us. We wanted to have this reciprocal relationship, like I'm gonna do so much for you, my spouse or my kids mm-hmm. or my parents or whatever, and then you're gonna do all that for me, right? And yeah. then they don't respond in the way we need. And then we get resentful. Yep. Whereas if we had just taken the time to fill up our own selves in the way we need, you know, the concept of like the five love languages, like figure out what is your love language or what do you really need? Or is it compliments? Is it time? Is it gifts? Is it whatever it is? Acts of service, figure it out, do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Then you're filled up. That's right. Then you have the ability to relate in good relationships that are healthy without resentment. Absolutely. One book I've, I've read in the last many months is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry mm. by a pastor in, I think he's in near Seattle, but, oh, mm. Portland, I'm sorry. But it's that whole idea that we can keep reassessing how our schedule looks, how our priorities look, and if they match with what we want our priorities to be. Yeah. And then we can make changes, right? We can right. keep doing that. It is an iteration. We, we have that freedom yeah. to say, this isn't working for me anymore, right? Like you said, I want less things in my house. I think a lot of us, as we get older, you know, I'm sort of going through that too. I'm busy enough where I haven't had the time to purge even more. Mm-hmm. And we've been in this house a super, super long time and busy with teenagers and kids, but that is on my list, right? I'm like, I need less stuff. Cause we've spent 20 plus years acquiring stuff. And even though we get rid of stuff, it's never enough. Like I know I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just haven't made the priority of hours. You know, like I need and I need help. Like I need my husband to be available so we can go through the attics, right? I can't yeah, do that. For right, myself. right, right. But it's all, like you said, making a choice and then slowly taking, um, putting something into place. And so for you, you didn't just in one day say, I'm going to spend two and a half hours a day on, no. you know, these um, being healthy and connection with to God. It took you time at some point to add in more of those and yes. to fit it into your schedule. 
Exactly. Exactly. I remember Oprah Winfrey one time said, we, especially with women who feel like we need to be everything and do everything. Yeah. She said, oh, we can, we can be and do everything, just not all at once. Right. And yeah. uh, amen, sister, to that. Right? I mean, yeah, there, are, there are lots of things I want to do right this very red hot minute. But, you know, my goal <laughs> yeah. really, the more I grow is to realize, okay, my only purpose is to be aligned with God. That's it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then God will tell me, okay, Stephanie, this is what you need to do today. This yep. one thing. And if this one thing is clean out a drawer, or if this one thing, like, I have two two things today. One is to do a podcast with you. And then the uh-huh. other is to take my daughter to her driver's license test. <laughs> That's it. I'm not going to yeah. fill up my day with 50 things. And right. then I'll get other things done. I'll make some right. dinner and, you know, but um, we often overschedule. And 100%. I mean, you know when children were, I remember when my children were young, it was a, it was a goal of mine to not overschedule my kids. Mm-hmm. And and I don't, everybody's got a parent as they think is best. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not judge and jury on everybody's parenting. I don't have that ability or that right. But I yeah. knew for me, I was not going to have my little kids running all over the place. No free time, no time to read, no time to play in the backyard. Um, no time to, you know, make mud pies. Remember we made those? When you yeah, I did. Anyway, yeah. You know, so why wouldn't I then give myself that same courtesy and not right. overschedule? myself. I'm not capable yeah. of being what everybody needs me to be. You know, yeah. I, I always say there's one savior of the world and it's not me. I'm not. Yeah. Able. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh my gosh. So good. So good. So Stephanie, what else might you want to share with us? You know, um, as we have maybe a couple more minutes to talk and then we'll find out how people can find out more about everything you're doing. Okay. All right. So this is for the people that have hung in here so far that are the, that are the, maybe the nerds among us. So I'm going to go into the, into the nerdy part as if I'm not nerdy enough, but A few Greek words really help me understand some of this stuff. And we talked before about faith, hope, and love. You know how we're told in the Bible that that those are like the three big things, the three big qualities, faith, hope, and love. And the biblical understanding of all of these words, it's very different than how we in the culture understand these words. So when we learn Greek in seminary, Greek is the language of the New Testament, what helps us is just like when you learn any language, you understand nuances to words that other people have and other languages have. So the Greek word for faith, if it was written in our alphabet, it's, it's Mm -hmm. pistis. And if it was in English, it would be spelled P I S T I S. So it's a different alphabet in Greek, but pistis in the Bible is often translated as faith And sometimes it's translated as belief or to believe, and it's conjugated differently if it's a verb or a noun, but we translate it in many different ways. So like in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him, that's the believe. Um, The interesting thing about this word pistis is that it's also translated as trust. So that means a lot to me because... I can believe in Jesus or believe in God. But the question I have to ask myself when I look in the mirror every day is, do I trust? Hmm. It's kind of like if I said, do you believe that Abraham Lincoln was a president of the United States? You might go, yeah, I believe he was a president, one of our presidents. But then if I say, do you trust Abraham Lincoln? No, I mean, I don't even know him. Never met the guy, right? So I can easily be like, yeah, I totally believe in God believe that there is a God. And that's my faith. I believe in God, Mm -hmm. but that's pretty shallow because I believe all kinds of things. I believe in Saturn. I believe in Mars. I believe in all kinds of things. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. anything for my life. But if I say, do I trust, do I trust? And that's where we get back to the guidance. Do I trust the day-to-day guidance of God? Do I trust that God has my back? Do I trust that God wants the best for me? Do I trust this challenging situation to God, even though I can't figure it out, maybe God can, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So to me, when I think of that word faith, you know, what is my faith? I lean more into the trust part than Mm. into the believe part. We easily say, I believe Jesus is my savior. Well, that's fantastic. But I mean, how is that actually helping you? But then do I trust? Then I challenge myself to trust Mm. more and more. And some days I do trust God and some days I don't. And all of us are like that. Yeah. And then I can look at myself and say, okay, what can I do then to lean more into that trust and ask for more trust? Um, so then the next word, hope, again, we're going through that, you know, faith, hope, and love. Hope 
in Greek is elpis. So if it was, again, in our language, it would be spelled E-L-P-I-S, elpis. And some might say, well, we can have hope when times are good. But how do we have hope during COVID or during wars or hard times? And that's what hope is for, the hard times. When times are good, we don't need hope. We have evidence. We look around and say, hey, things are awesome. Yeah. But when times are rough, you know, when we're going through a, a scary diagnosis, when we're dealing with a difficult teenager, when we have marital problems, financial problems, whatever the problems are, that's when we need hope. And hope in our culture means a wish. Like a kid might say, I hope I get a bicycle for Christmas. Mm-hmm. It just means a wish. Hope in the Bible doesn't mean that. In the Bible, Old and New Testament, it means something much more solid. It's a solid expectation that we have every reason to believe that God is there for us, will pull us through. This is the hope that led God to lead Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. We have hope that does not fail us. It's not a wish. It's a strong, it connects to faith. It's a strong expectation. Mm. And it's there for the darker times, the challenging times, the confusing times. Otherwise, we don't need it. Hmm. So that so we have the faith, which is the trust day to day. We have the hope for the difficult times. And then we get to the love. And love in Greek has lots of different words. Um, we only have one word in English. But in Greek, we have one of the words is eros. How we get the word erotic. So it's more like the sexual love. Mm-hmm. One of the words is philia. Like this is where we get like Philadelphia, like city of brotherly love. So philia is like where we feel friendship and kinship and we like one another. That's philia. That's a kind of love. But the word that's used most of the time and used by Jesus is the word agape. That would be spelled, if it was in English, it would be spelled A-G-A-P-E, agape. And Mm -hmm. that means total, pure, unconditional love. And it's reserved for God. Because who of us loves unconditionally? Mm. I don't even, truth be told, I don't even love my spouse unconditionally, right? Like right. I still respect like the conditions of he's taking the trash out or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. So the interesting thing is that when Jesus says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another, which is what we celebrate on Monday, Thursday, or sometimes called Holy Thursday, right before mm-hmm. Easter, yeah. when Jesus washes Peter's feet and says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another, the word there is agape. Okay, which makes me go, what? I can't do that. Maybe yeah. I can do the philia, but not agape. Yeah. And so then when Jesus says, love your enemies, again, agape. And I mm-hmm. and I want to say, are you kidding me? Like <laughs> unconditionally love yeah. like my enemies. But the interesting thing is that what that does for us is it makes us realize we can't do it without mm-hmm. God's power. Nobody can love unconditionally without God's power. And then that makes us realize we are but a conduit. That's mm-hmm. all we are. We're a vessel through which God love, God's love pours through us and into others. Mm-hmm. Sometimes ministry is overwhelming. I was with a family recently in the hospital where the child was going through some extremely difficult circumstances there in the ICU, the pediatric ICU, and the parents were going through extremely difficult circumstances. We don't know why this is happening. We don't have answers. We don't have, it's just stress, pain, grief, fear, trauma. What am I going to do to make it better? Nothing on my own. I can't save a child's life. I can't bring peace to parents. I cannot, but God can. So my role then in ministry is a conduit of God's love. And I literally say to God, love these people through me because I don't know what to say or do, but you do. So I am your instrument. Use me. Yep. And that's not just for being a pastor. That's for being a person. I don't know how to love my husband the way he needs to be loved. I don't know how to love my children the way they need to be loved. I don't know how to love my friends the way they need to be loved, but God, you do. So I'll show up. And I know how incapable I often am, but I'll show up and and inspire me and use me and I'll be your vessel. And that's how we can understand love. Mm, yeah. So I, I just, again, for the, for the biblical nerds among us that want to know Greek, <laughs> I get it that that might be, you know, a little more than people 
want to know because they're reading English translations of the Bible and that's fine. But to me, looking at these Greek words really helped me get kind of enlightened on what that means to take hold of faith, hope, and love and to meditate on those things. Do that rather than meditating on COVID in Ukraine a little while. Mm. Meditate. Like if we meditate on these words, like if we take a walk and we think, okay, during this walk, I'm going to think about faith. What's my faith like? And do I trust? Yeah. Let that take up some of your time. Mm. So good. I Actually, I <laughs> love that. And like you said, I, I, I get it might hit home or a line or really be like a aha kind of like, wow, breakthrough moment for some people yeah. as far as their faith and understanding these words. Yeah. But I have to tell you the one that what really spoke to me in that is that trust piece of faith mm-hmm. was I love that. I love that how I can kind of visualize that and make sure I'm checking in with that piece. Yes. You know, like the, the trust. What is my trust in God? You know, how, what is that looking like? And then I love how you talked about hope, you know, that it um, it does not fail us. Right. It's that strong um, or that expectation that we can. We can truly trust God and believe he's going to do these good things for us. And right. I think Mark Batterson kind of, I mean, I'm not saying he's the only one, but talks about like, how big is your God? Do you believe your God is bigger than your problems? Right. Cause a lot of us might think we think that, but then if we're going through a hard time in our marriage or we have a diagnosis or the world seems in a, you know, kind of a crazy time, we once again, we're looking at it from a human perspective and we don't realize, well, I'm, I'm still thinking these things are so big that my God can't help with them. Right. In his right. time. Right. So I, I think that's really, I think those are two things that really kind of jumped out to me. And I, I think that was just um, really eye opening, I think for me. Well, thank you. And, you know, thanks be to God for, for the biblical yeah. understanding. And the apostle Paul said um, famously, he said, I believe help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. are all that. We are yeah. all of it. We are, and he used the same word. I trust. Help my lack of trust. Yeah. We we all have all of it at different times in our lives. So there are times when you know I too and everybody, nobody's a, a pure saint among us that never has these human issues. But yeah. if I'm going through a challenge, then um, then it does help to say, okay, that pain is awakened in me right now. Again, mm-hmm. not identifying with it but saying it's there, like the weather, it's raining. It's what it is. It's not, it's not me. It's what's happening right now. So that pain is awakened and, and help me remember God that you are bigger than this. Help me, help me have self-compassion and maybe I need to take a nap right now, or maybe I need to call a friend or play with my dog, or maybe I need to do something that will help release dopamine, whether it's going out for some exercise or, you know, whatever it is. Maybe I need to give myself care. Meanwhile, though, can you please come in, God, and show me and help me help me open my eyes to the signs that you will show me that you are bigger than this, that something good will come out of this. Help me to trust you, yeah. you know, because part of me does and part of me doesn't. And That's right. another really interesting thing being in ministry is that throughout the years, I have been in absolutely traumatic circumstances where I would think nothing good can come from this. Mm-hmm. It's only pain. And then miraculously, I'm there to see good come from this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have no explanation for this. Mm-hmm. And so I have to then assume that that's how God works all the time. Yeah. That there are ways where we cannot understand or we cannot, I mean, I seriously, like hor- murders and horrible, horrible, yeah. the worst, then seeing not that that pain completely goes away or or was ever justified or should have happened. And God certainly didn't give that to somebody. Life gives that those things sometimes. But the the healing, the 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 transformation, the the resurrected life, which is what Easter is about, out of every kind of death comes mm-hmm. some kind of new life that we cannot see at the at the moment. Yeah. You know, and when you see this story happen in the world over and over and over and over and over, you're kind of like, okay, like I get this is how you work. Yeah. So who who Jesus was and the story he showed of from you know from the cross to the tomb to new life who Jesus was thousands of years ago shows us who God always is all the time for me, for you, for us all right now. And that's really good news. That's what the word gospel in Greek means. Gospel is a Greek word that means good news. That is the good news that out of every kind of death comes some kind of new life. 
So yeah. it's really nice to then learn to rely on that a, a little bit ahead of the time, ahead of the, you yeah. know, when we're going through something. Yeah. Mm, so good. Oh my gosh, Stephanie. So, so thank you so much for being with us today. Can you, and just sharing the message of hope and faith and love and just, you know, how do we remember to step into our days and try to incorporate some of these things that work for us, right? To, mm-hmm. to be more connected um, in our lives and to God and, you know, in, in what the purpose he has for us today. But before we, before we end, can you just share with us, how can people learn about your book, connect with you online and all of that good stuff? Sure. Yes. So I wrote a book called Beckoned, Hearing God's Call to Deeper Faith, and it is on Amazon. Uh, it's my own spiritual journey, which has been the long and winding road into and out of different denominations and religions. And then I was a, I was a world religions professor for a while. So I talk about that and then in ministry, uh, but it is a travel log in order to help people figure out their own spiritual journey. It, it, it's where I've been in order to help others spark their own memories and thoughts and analysis of where they've gone and where they've seen God in their lives and how God is beckoning them now into their future. So that's on Amazon. Um, I also write for a couple other uh, publications and I have a website. If people want to just check out my website, then there are links there to the publications and to the Amazon book. So my website is Stephanie Lape, uh, L-A-P-E, stephanielape.com. So that's how they can get a hold of me as well. There are places there to do that. Fantastic. Well, Stephanie, thanks again for being with us today. I think you are such a light pointing people to God in the world. And so I'm so thankful that you are in ministry doing this. And uh, I look forward to a conversation again sometime. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it very much. It was a nice conversation. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I loved the conversation today with Stephanie. I'm so happy she came on to share encouragement with us and her wisdom on faith, hope, and love from a biblical perspective. To me, that's so encouraging and it's really some food for thought. So I want to leave you with a excerpt from the book, Draw the Circle by Pastor Mark Batterson. He says, your biggest problem isn't an impending divorce or a doctor's diagnosis or a failing business. In order to regain a godly perspective on your problems, you must answer this question. Are my problems bigger than God or is God bigger than my problems? And then he goes on to say, how big is your God? Is he big enough to heal your marriage or heal your child? Is he bigger than your worst sin, greatest fear, or biggest dream? If he is bigger than all of those things, then pray like it. Oh, for me, that's so good. It just reminds me of what Stephanie talked about. Do I trust God, right? Do I trust God through what I'm going through? And then do I have the message of hope, the promise that God is saying to us, you know, he will not fail us. He will not fail us through this process, through this path, through this struggle or this challenge, through the hardship. So that to me is so good. And it's such a good reminder and such a great question we should be asking ourselves. Thanks again for listening to Business and Breakthroughs. And if you would like to learn more about my programs, how I work with people, my writing and my coaching and consulting business, head on over to kristenfitch.com.